2: Get comfortable with money. Uh, that's, again, very difficult for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. A lot of women still feel like, you know, money is something that men do. A lot of women rely on men in their families, whether it's a father or brother or, you know, a male figure. To help them make decisions. And help is okay. Yes. But controlling and you know, being in control of your money is not okay. I think women should be in control, whether you're in a relationship, a marriage, or whatever. You need to be in control of your money. Now you may do it jointly. Right. That's fine. But you know, you don't want to abdicate that responsibility to anyone because as a lawyer, I see so many women who've been in relationships, marriages. Now the marriage is breaking up. They have no clue about how much money. You know, they, they have collectively. In. Spending yes, future. where the money has been used, you know, what's in the retirement account, if anything. And, you know, they're having to now unpack all of that. And, and that's a really uncomfortable and vulnerable position to be in.
3: Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to another episode of Money Moves. I'm your host, Tanya Sam, and I am so excited about the powerhouse that is sitting in front of me today. She's a Harvard Law School grad, an author, an empowerment activist for financial literacy, and so much more. I am delighted to have you here today. Hi, Areva. Welcome to Money Moves. Well, hi,
2: Tanya. Thank you so much for having me.
3: Oh, man. Well, I'm so excited to have you in the seat today because there's so much that you have to share and to give so much guidance to our audience today. But I want to start at the beginning. When I bring people onto Money Moves, you know that we are passionate about talking about financial literacy, creating generational wealth in black and brown communities. But I want to give our Money Movers audience a chance to get to know you. And so let's go back to little Mariva. Okay. Tell us how you grew up. Um, And how you got to where you are, you know, going to Harvard Law School, being, you know, a powerhouse
2: legal authority is a big deal. Is this what you always envisioned? Not exactly. <laughs> not exactly. Uh, you know, people like to rewrite their history. So I always knew I was destined for that. Well, that is not the case with me. Uh, I grew up in St. Louis oh, in St. Louis. Uh, what uh, is considered the north side of St. Louis. It was a very poor community. I grew up with my godmother and my grandmother, mm-hmm. and my grandmother was actually uh, paraplegic. She was in a wheelchair because she had been shot in wow. a domestic violence wow. uh, incident and. In, was horrible. Yeah. And my mother had moved away. I didn't meet my father actually until I was 18. And you know, now looking back on my life, when you think about the way folks talk about black and brown mm. communities, I would be from one of those communities that is often Characterized uh, and written about as being poor, and you know, no yeah. fathers in the home, yeah. and lots of families on government assistance, and you know, all the things that typically get said about black communities, except the part that folks who grow up in those communities, although some of those things are true, mm-hmm. but what they fail to mention is the power of those communities, and despite not having, you know fathers in a lot of instances not having people with a lot of education not having a lot of money uh those black women in those communities are incredibly resilient and strong and they poured so much into me and my friends and all of us who were you know growing up together so uh, that part of those kinds of communities often is not talked about and so i'm very proud of this community i grew up in It's called the Car Square Village, Car Square and we were village. a village. And everyone you know, contributed to the, uh, the nourishment and the protection and the love of the kids in that community. And so where I am today is a testament to mm-hmm. those women. And there were some men, so the mm-hmm. few men mm-hmm. in that community who had a bigger vision and knew that there was something else and that with hard work and education, that kids like me growing up in that community could just have unlimited opportunities. Potential and opportunities. And here
3: you are. I love that. And thank you because I think there's something very special in the power of these strong women that all pitched in to just raise neighborhoods. It really does take a village. So when you think back to it now, you're in LA, you're quite successful. We'll get into that. But what were the early mindsets that you were taught or maybe not taught about Achievement,
2: wealth, yeah. finances. Do you remember some of them? And some of them I are do. good. Some of them are I, bad. I remember lots of them. In fact, I've written a book about a lot of them. One of the the biggest lessons I learned growing up with my godmother was hard work. Mm. She was a janitor. Uh, a domestic, she worked in the daytime in wealthy white women's uh, homes. And then at night she cleaned offices. Two in jobs. The wealthy part of town. And I at nine, 10 years old would go with her, mm-hmm. uh, not in the daytime as much as I was in school, but at night would go with her into these wow. big, tall office buildings and literally help her. Uh, empty trash cans, vacuum floors, clean toilets, whatever you do as a janitor working in a building. Yeah. And you know, that lesson was, no job is too big, no job is too small. And as a serial entrepreneur now Mm -hmm. who's starting multiple businesses and have had to do the really menial labor type task in my own companies, uh, that was a valuable lesson. And this godmother, I tell you, with not even a high school diploma, who worked as a domestic, owned her own house, owned her own car, like bought a new car every three or four years, uh, and it was like the, the community bank. I mean, she was such a good money manager that people in the neighborhood would borrow money from her. And this is again on a janitor's salary. And I remember going, when I went off to college, she literally was able to send me money to help me, you know, during the, the time that I was in college. So, it just goes. So that lesson was: it's yes. not what you make, it's what you spend, and what you save. And what you save. And that was a really powerful lesson that stayed with me. And when I first, when I graduated law yep. school, all of my uh, Harvard friends were moving to LA, New York. So the group of us that came to LA, most of them moved immediately to the ritzy parts of town, got expensive apartments, and
3: overspending. Right?
2: Can we call it overspending, that right. overspending? Because you've achieved. Yes, you know, because you could walk into a Mercedes dealer or a car dealer and say, "Well, you know, I just graduated from Harvard Law School," and they, you know, okay, what do you want? (laughs) Right, sign. So, my Midwestern values. My first apartment, four hundred dollars, one bedroom. I didn't even have a car. I caught the bus, and people laughed at me because nobody only catches a bus. But I was sort from of First in the of all, no Harvard grad can you imagine would take <laughs> nobody the bus? Could. But you yeah, know, St. Louis. I went to college yep. in Chicago. People use public transportation: the bus in the Chicago, the train. So I didn't have a problem. The bus, literally, I could walk out my house, walk half a block, get on a bus, be downtown on my job. Yep. Why not catch a bus? Absolutely. First car, ten-year-old Jetta. First We're car, China. no, hundred dollars, and my friends laughed at me, made jokes, made fun of me. And I remember this one woman that I worked with, she was a more senior lawyer in this big law firm I worked in when I first came to LA. She had to take me home. And she was like flabbergasted and really irritated is a better word because of the neighborhood I lived in. Like, why do you live here? Because I can afford to live here. And this is a perfectly fine neighborhood so those were some of the lessons that i learned that allowed me to have the financial success that i've had because i started out (laughs) very frugal and i saved a lot of money uh and i kept my expenses really low and i was able and i lived in that apartment for a year and then i bought my first home and so interesting you went from very expensive
0: (laughs) Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
4: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Trinity School of
1: Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.
2: to knowing that you had Small. the vision that you wanted to purchase. Yes, and I was saving. And I, my first job out of law school, first year lawyers graduating from Harvard, many of us make a ton of money, way more than what we're worth. I saved two checks a month. One of those checks I saved. Wow. It didn't matter. And so I was able to have the downfall because it wasn't like yep. I had a trust fund. I didn't have family or, you know, parents who were going to help me with that. A lot of, you know, kids coming didn't, out of college yep. have family that can well, make a Especially in Harvard, downfall. the people yes. in the circles, there. are yes. you know. a lot of legacies, second, third generation. So, you know, all the financial stuff is already laid out. They do not have to do much, but that wasn't my case. So I mm-hmm. knew whatever I got. You know, I was going to eat what I killed. Yes. So I had to save my money and in a year, like a year and a half, I bought a house in L.A. And I tell you now, I have friends much older than me who've never bought a house in L.A. Because it's really hard unless you get really intentional to save enough for a down payment to own property in Los Angeles so
3: let's talk more about this intention and like the sacrifice because you know one thing I love about money moves is especially when I have women across from me is being able to candidly talk about money and I find the more and more we get comfortable as women talking about money the better we do and so sort of dispelling these myths that it's gauche for women to want to talk about money ask about salaries you know sit down and we have our girl chats and our mimosas but like to spend the time talking about money and I just feel like this is is such an empowering thing for so many of us. Like we should be talking about Absolutely. money. We should never feel shame about wanting to have it, to support our families, etc. So now as you're, you know, you've written a book, you talk about this all the time. What are your high level tenants that you're sort of preaching? I will say this because <laughs> this is a gospel, you know, yeah. um, for, you know, early entrepreneurs, whether they're in law school or not.
2: Well, first thing I... Teach, preach is reject patriarchy. Uh-huh. Is exactly what you just said. Yes. Because no one has ever told their son, no. don't talk about money, yeah. don't be ambitious, you know, don't try to get the highest salary, don't go after everything that you want. But that's a lesson that is told to a lot of women Absolutely. and girls. Absolutely. And so rejecting patriarchy is rejecting that notion that mm-hmm. somehow your gender should define your success or how you know far and how high uh you can go what you can achieve in this society so you first have to get comfortable with that yeah that. and it's even for me
3: yeah you know and i think even for you know i'll budge into the brunch conversation and be like hey guys okay we've talked about you know, our men, our families are this, let's talk about our, you know? And it takes a while for people to ease into it, but I think we're doing it Because a lot of people
2: have had those messages. They've been inundated with those messages about what is appropriate for girls and women versus men. And it is sometimes very difficult. And you mentioned the salary piece. I frequently tell people how much I make, how much I've made, how much jobs are paying. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. And people use these little buzzwords. I still talk about money all day long. And I'm
3: uncomfortable to be like, someone will say something,
2: I'll like, well, tell us exactly how much you made. And you can physically see Because we people oh, recoil from it because we this. Yes, that that is not appropriate to ask people how much you pay for your house. I mean, you know, now with the internet, you can find out a lot of this. Right, stuff. right. <laughs> so you just go Google uh, and like literally go inside someone's home. But so that's the first thing. Not that's that so we great. Reject, reject the that, patriarchy. Reject the patriarchy, and then get comfortable with money. Uh, that's again very difficult for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. A lot of women still feel like, you know, money is something that men do. A lot of women rely on men in their families, whether it's a father or brother or, you know, a male figure to help them make decisions and help is okay, Yes. but controlling and, you know, being in control of your money is not okay. I think women should be in control, whether you're in a relationship, a marriage or whatever, you need to be in control of your money. Now you may do it jointly, right? That's fine. But you know, you don't want to abdicate that responsibility to anyone because as a lawyer i see so many women who've been in relationships marriages now the marriage is breaking up they have no clue about how much money you know they Came have collectively in, yes future. where the money has been used you know, what's in the retirement account, if anything. And, you know, they're having to now unpack all of that. And, and that's a really uncomfortable and vulnerable position to be in. So uh, you want to be in control of your money. And then, you know, the basic, you can't spend what you don't make. Mm. And as a, I started my first business like a year out of law school. And people think when you go on your own business, oh, my God, that revenue is profit. No, revenue is not profit. Revenue is revenue, that's and then right. there's something called expenses, mm-hmm. and your profit is that revenue minus those expenses. And it's an equation. A lot of yes, it's like math. It's very <laughs> simple, but people think when they own their own businesses, you know, they can live out of their revenue, yes. not their profit, uh, and that's a big lesson that people have to learn. You can, you know, if you overspend, you will find yourself. You know and so much trouble financially it's hard oftentimes and a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves in a tax trap absolutely because they are again living out of that revenue not setting aside the taxes that you owe on that revenue uh and not you know accounting for all of the expenses so uh i tell people educate yourself just money is not necessarily intuitive for people and if you've There's never not. had an accounting class or a business class, or you know, go on YouTube University. <laughs> you know, there and this are... is the thing; it's so out there now
3: it's with oh, YouTube, so Google University, all these things. I mean, sadly, almost Instagram and TikTok. There are amazing people out there who can teach you all these wonderful yes. things. So, oh, this education piece is so so interesting and
2: accessible and accessible, and you know. It's okay not to have everything all at once. That's a, you know, you can't live your life based on someone's best day on Instagram. So lots of people are spending to make themselves feel better Mm -hmm. and to give an appearance of, you know, having more than what they have. Absolutely. And if you get caught in that trap, oh my God, it's just an endless cycle. You know, it's a rabbit hole. There's no bottom to it. And I see a lot of people in debt for handbags. And, you know, <laughs> and come on, let's do <laughs> bes- Instagram class. Let's talk real you about right. women, you know, handbags. I know. Like, you got a $5,000 Chanel bag yes. and you live in an apartment. Okay, something's wrong with that.
3: Thanks for listening to today's episode. If we helped you make your money move, please share it with your community. Subscribe and leave us a review on iHeartRadio and Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Greenwood and visit us at gogreenwood.com for more financial tips. And remember, Money Movers, if this were easy, everyone would do it. So take the lessons you've learned from this episode and apply it to your life. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure to tune in Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and subscribe to the Money Moves podcast powered by Greenwood so that you too can have the keys to financial freedom you so rightly deserve. Until next time.
0: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
1: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.